Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Last Thursday, Ralph Jarl, a 16-year-old black teen in Kansas City, went out to pick up his younger twin brothers and went to the wrong house. Andrew Lester, the 84-year-old white man who resides at that wrong address, shot Jarl twice. And on Monday this week, the Clay County Prosecutor's Office charged Lester with two felony counts in Jarl's shooting. Joining me in studio to talk about it is Jason Rosenbaum, politics correspondent for St. Louis Public Radio. Jason, it's great to have you back again. Thank you for having me. In a moment, we're going to talk about the state's Stand Your Ground Law or Castle Doctrine and whether it might apply in this case. But first, Jason, let's talk about an aspect of the shooting that I noted um, very intentionally in the introduction, and that is race. Jason, how is race relevant here? I think in this, it's especially relevant. Like on my phone right now, I'm reading coverage about how uh, Mr. Lester's grandson said that he engaged in conspiracy theories, that he had been delving into racist tropes. So this isn't just like a unconscious situation where a white person sees a black person at their door and it's unconscious bias and thinking that they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that was the, the the reasoning, but I think that that adds another dimension to this story that's beyond that. Mm-hmm. But I also think that whenever a unarmed black person is killed, either by police officer, or in this case, just a person, it it brings out a lot of trauma in communities like St. Louis that dealt pretty openly. And um, I, I'm trying to think of the adjective here, uh, had a wrenching reconciliation process over Michael Brown's death. Mm-hmm. And even though the situations are different, um, I think the trauma and pain, especially among people within you know, black communities everywhere, but especially in Missouri, I just think gets busted open in in a very raw way. Mm-hmm. Now, as we think about the role of place, there are, are several key wares, right, that play into uh, what happened, particularly as they pertain to the shooter's defense in court. So what are some of those other wares? You've, you've talked about it's happening here in in Missouri. Mm-hmm. This is Kansas City, mm-hmm. but it's still within the same state yes. as you know Michael Brown's killing back in, in 2014, um, as well as the, the almost innumerable um, shootings that have happened. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's happening at someone's front door. How is that relevant maybe to the way that um, people have been talking about this? I, I think it's different because... Um, a lot of times when we have talk about these tragedies, which I think is the best way to put it, it happens in public. In, in the case with Michael Brown, it happened in the street. Um, we've seen other instances where it happened in a car. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that this happened um, at somebody's home and on a doorstep, I think creates a, a whole other dimension here. 
And um, but I also think that the fact that this is a very public instance of a black person being shot by a white person, I think it's the same type of, as I mentioned before, trauma mm-hmm. to people that have to witness this separate day, especially black people. They're, they're, I remember after Ferguson, um, there was an NPR article about reporters that were covering Ferguson who were black who had to keep reliving this trauma over and over again and how, like, demoralizing it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to imagine that this is another situation for a broader community, just reporters, that is is causing a lot of really raw feelings right mm-hmm. now. now. Since Andrew Luster, the shooter, was officially charged on Monday, and this all happened last Thursday, um, those charges are assault in the first degree and armed criminal action. Ralph Yarl, the 16-year-old who was shot twice and at least once in the head, still not sure where the second one landed, he's returned home. Mm-hmm. Um, as awful as this may be, is there any reason to expect that Lester's case will be heard differently because... Ralph Yarl survived, and miraculously by his family's account. I, I don't know. First of all, I, it's a hard question to answer without knowing like how much his cognitive abilities were affected. Right. Um, so it's hard to answer that question. But obviously in a situation where somebody shoots somebody and they're accused of doing it unjustifiably and illegally, it's better to have that person that was shot be alive to provide the witness testimony Mm -hmm. than the person to be dead and have to rely on other people. So I don't know if that's going to be the situation here. Mm -hmm. I have seen photos of Yarl with one of his attorneys looking, as you mentioned, miraculously, you know, just at his house. I think it's not really... A political statement to say, thank God he's okay. Sure, sure. I think it's okay for reporters to say that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it might affect uh, how this trial is uh, goes forward. Mm-hmm. And this last question here about Lester. He's 85, yeah. right? I think how he's 84, 85. 84, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but he's, he's elderly. He's yeah. 84, so he would qualify as elderly, as you say. Yeah. How do you think his age might affect the way things play out? That's a good question. I think it kind of affects like what type of charges get put forward because if somebody gets, if he gets like a 10-year prison sentence, that's effectively a life sentence. If he gets a 30-year sentence, I I have a hard time believing he's going to live to 120 or 130 in prison. Mm -hmm. So I think as long as he is punished in a way where he is incarcerated for the crimes he's committed against, if he's found guilty, I want to make it clear we don't know if that's going to happen. Everybody's presumed innocent before before being proven guilty. Um, you know, his age means like that any any sentence is probably like a life sentence in prison. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely unusual compared to other situations. Well, this is something that I hope we'll get to, to explore a little bit further um, for many other reasons, too. Jason Rosenbaum is St. Louis Public Radio's political correspondent. We now want to get to Jason's conversation about one of the next steps in this case, and that's whether Missouri's Stand Your Ground Law or Castle Doctrine might serve as the valid defense for the 84-year-old man who shot Ralph Yarl. Jason first asked SLU law professor Anders Walker to simply explain the Castle Doctrine. 
The castle doctrine is a rule that if you are in your home and someone threatens you by coming in, you don't have to run out the back door. You can use lethal force to stop an intruder. And what is the difference between castle doctrine and stand your ground? Well, not much. They're basically the same rule. Uh, you don't have to run away. If someone is threatening you, stand your ground applies outside your home. That could apply in the street. If someone puts a gun in your face, you can shoot them. You don't have to say, could I run away? If you're in your home, you don't have to run out the back door. Same basic idea. You have a little more protection in your home, but otherwise it's very similar. I was looking at a number of states yesterday, and most states have either a stand-your-ground law or a castle doctrine or a mixture of both. But there are some states that don't have either, and they have what's called a duty to retreat. Can you, do you know what that means, first of all? So that was the old rule, and the old rule was you can use lethal force if you need to, if you absolutely have to use lethal force to prevent serious injury or death to yourself or someone else. If you don't need to, then you need to run away. You need to retreat. You need to close the door. You need to drive somewhere else. States started to say, well, that isn't right. If you're in your home, you shouldn't have to run out the back door. And then states started to say, you know, even if you're on the street and someone points a gun at you, you shouldn't have to make the split-second decision, can I safely run away? You should be able to stand your ground. And so states like Missouri have both rules, and I think it might break down politically. I think it's more popular among conservatives to stand your ground, and I think the Second Amendment generally is more popular among conservatives. Do you, it seems like these types of laws have been in place for literally centuries, but it seems like it was a relatively recent development that states adopted Castle Doctrine and Stand Your Ground. I, I actually covered when the Castle Doctrine was passed in Missouri in 2007 and Stand Your Ground was added in 2016. Is that generally been when other states have added this too, like in the last 20, 30, 40 years or something like that? I think so. I think a lot of it is political. Uh, even the old self-defense rule, which dates back to ancient English common law, was you can use lethal force to defend yourself if your life is at risk. You can't use it if it's not necessary. You can't shoot people who do not threaten you. And a lot of it is political theater. A lot of it, I think, is um, not really that different. You can't shoot someone if they don't pose a threat, full stop. If no one is threatening you or they're pointing a water gun at you, you can't shoot them. You do have to walk away. And I think that gets to the Kansas City example where from the facts of the case so far, a 16-year-old went up to somebody's door, rang the doorbell, thought it was somebody else's house, and then was shot twice. And what I've heard from people is neither Castle Doctrine nor Stand Your Ground would apply because the 16-year-old Ralph Jarl did not pose an imminent danger to this person. I think that's right. Now, a defense attorney would argue this was late at night. Uh, this was an older gentleman who may have been afraid. Maybe it was an aggressive knock. We don't know. However, in cases like this before, and there have been two, one in Louisiana, one in South Carolina, homeowners shot trick-or-treaters. Both were prosecuted. Under the theory, if someone rings your doorbell or knocks on your door, you don't have to answer. If you're afraid, just stay in your house. Don't shoot unless they kick in the door because it might be a kid. So I think this guy's probably going to go to jail. 
this is not this situation, but let's just say this. Let's just say somebody like opens the door and says, "Hey, come on out," basically, because he thinks it was the siblings were in there. Is that where it gets a little bit murkier under this under this theory? Oh yeah, if someone's opening your door, then I think uh, the homeowner has much more ground to say, "Whoa, I have a reasonable fear this person's going to hurt me." And I happen to live in Soulard. People knock on our doors all the time, often late at night. Sometimes they're intoxicated. Sometimes they're looking for a phone. We don't open the door. If someone's coming in, then I think the homeowner probably can say, look, I had a reason. It, it all goes to a jury. What's reasonable? Is it reasonable that this person was the orchid man or is this person going to take something? It's interesting. I mentioned the 2007 Castle Doctrine Law in Missouri. And obviously, gun-related laws often provoke a lot of controversy. That bill passed, like, in the House, 130 to 20, which means a lot of Democrats voted for it. Yet, Castle Doctrine and much more so stand-your-ground laws have become very controversial in recent years. Why do you think that they have engendered so much controversy among people that don't think they're good ideas? Well, I think the controversy uh, really began with the Trayvon Martin case. And then I think it became um, part of a larger story about white fear, white aggression. Um, Trayvon Martin, of course, was a kid. And I think whenever you have children who are shot, then that's going to draw a lot of media attention. And then most People don't have law degrees, so they don't realize, oh, stand your ground, castle doctrine is actually pretty much the old self-defense rule. If you are threatened and it is real, it's not fake, well, then you can use force. And if you have a fear that you might be seriously injured or killed, you can use lethal force. It's also gotten run, uh, rolled up in the gun debate. And so we've had, got this big debate going on about the Second Amendment. Conservatives have really beefed it up. And then progressives, I think, want to see some more gun control. So I think there are bigger issues that have made these controversial. The law itself isn't that uh, different from what it has always been. It seems like in the Ralph Yarl case, if the man that shot him ends up being convicted by a jury and either the stand your ground or castle doctrine defenses really just don't fly, it seems that that would showcase that there are limits to both of those things, and that does not just give somebody an unlimited right to shoot somebody. If that scenario ends up playing out, is that basically the best takeaway from that situation in regards to those two theories? Yeah, I think that's right. If someone rings your doorbell in the middle of the night or knocks, don't shoot. Wait. See what happens. If they kick in the door, then I think you're... Uh, okay to use lethal force. Anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, there's one thing. There's been talk about why wasn't uh, the defendant charged with attempted murder. And the reason for that is in Missouri, first-degree assault, which is the charge, actually bears a heavier penalty. If the victim is injured, it is a Class A felony as opposed to a Class B felony for attempted murder. So the prosecutor in, in Kansas City is throwing the book at this individual, and uh, a first-degree assault charge is quite serious. 
That's SLU Law Professor Anders Walker talking with St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent Jason Rosenbaum. They were discussing the shooting last week of Ralph Jarl, a 16-year-old black teen in Kansas City. Jarl was picking up his younger twin brothers but had the wrong house, and he was shot twice by an 84-year-old white man. That man, Andrew Lester, now faces two felony charges. Today's episode was produced by Alex Hoyer. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dork. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.